Yo, what's happening, everybody? I go by the name of DJ Premier. And I go by the name of Royce the 5'9". And we are Prime. Prime. And what are we checking out? Checking out NW3 Radio. Yes, sir. With my man, Dominic X and Peter Oasis. Peter. <laughs> I'll see you, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. Let me introduce you to the elements. Hey, you. I heard you shining, but I got that gold membership. I rose from the bush like Valentine's petals from an unstable family of alkaline metals. Hitting prime time like Channel 5 specials. And I never handle rocks like Palestine rebels with pebbles. The antics and antiquities and Mr. Steve's. Always got a trick up my sleeve. Miss Please, ancient magic of witchcraft. Skip class, and I barely just passed. A young grasshopper that's trying to switch pads. She trying to get bent like light when it hits glass. Bong smoke got me blazed as hell. Burning weight like them 47 J's. I scale. You can tell by the amazing smell. And my eyes stay tight like I'm Asian. Wow. My man Dirty had the booty just to put me in the right mind. Yeah. Never die as long as we got real shows like this holding us down. Yeah. Yeah. What up, Dormit, 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 Dormit? When I was nine, I knew where drugs came from. When I was ten, I seen my first automatic weapon a Glock 9, two clips. I see all kinds of uh, 44, 22. Text. Takes, that's all right, Now, here comes the music. Ladies and gentlemen, it's an honor to have a real swinging cat with us tonight. And now, directly from the planet of Brooklyn, Oasis, 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 Oasis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, this is Mark Ronson, and you're checking out my longtime friend Peter Oasis on WNYU. Ladies and gentlemen, it's an honor. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, New York, what up? I just flow and flow, and if you come to my show, the Masi takes up at least seven rows. The stadium's packed up, more paper is racked up. Suckers who play me too tight should just back up. Give me some elbow room to consume as I lower the boom and kick another tune. But how much tightness can one man take? They act. How do you Hold do on. that? Very simple. 
change my tempo So drop out here and there and let me flow Switch my pitch, change my style a bit Told her give me something swift and let me rip Some might wanna try me to see what I can do Bring the blunts and the brew, I'll take out your whole crew You want some work? We can do this to find me ain't hard Why? Cause I'm always on the boulevard Here's a brief description in case you're misled Gold teeth, pants sagging in my hairs and dreads A hip hop fanatic, no doubt about it, the baddest Outstanding Asiatic, science so wisely wrote That you can't cope when it comes to being dope I ain't no joke, they underrate us, the critics hate us They try to dip, but when they hit, they admit it's smooth, ain't it? The stations play this and they still downgrade us But the hell what they say, they ain't the ones who pay us They need the butt in their lips, cause here's a tip With the old rockers, it's your better get a grip You can't escape the hype Peace, y'all, this Lars Professor And you're now listening to NW3 Radio with Darmic X and Peter O on WNYU. Why, uh, thank you, large professor. Darmic. What's up, man? Yeah. Good to be back. Yeah, you know, I've been here alone for, yeah. for three weeks. Been a trooper. Yeah, it's been really fun. I've had some, some good people up here. We did a Sean P. kind of, uh, you know, in memory of show. Yes. Which was great. I had uh, last week. I had a, a journalist from uh, Paris up here named Yancey. That was interesting. The Par- Parisians have uh, they don't give an f no. when they talk, and it was very apparent from that. It yeah. was it was a lot of fun to listen to. Yeah, he he didn't care. He did not at, care. At, at times, I just had to shut him up. I, I even turned his <laughs> mic down, which you couldn't see if you were listening. I didn't hear it actually. I heard the whole episode. I, had, I didn't hear it. Yeah, he he was wild. <laughs> he was wild. I'll have to give him that. I was telling you. Yeah, go ahead. I was telling you when I was listening to it, I was like, man, I don't know what I would have done if I was in the station. Yeah, I, di- you know, I didn't know, I didn't know the uh, the uh, Parisian uh, sense of humor is just nuts. Like he was saying some stuff, and I was just like, you're the wildest guy I've ever had up here. And uh, Yancey, as, as a matter of fact, I want to mention this before we lead into our guest. Yancey mm-hmm. came here from Paris, mm-hmm. somehow emailed or found the great uh, Nigel uh, the Sylvester. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just gonna. You said Nigel. I'm gonna come up with a gazillion last names here. Nigel Sylvester. I don't know. Okay, I'm I'm pulling a blank. But anyways, it's good to see you back. There was also the Rex Dizzy show, which was a lot of fun to listen to as yes, well. Yes, peace to Rex Dizzy and uh, the uh, Korean and Asian hip hop massive. He was a great <laughs> guest. He's funny, and we had a really good time together. Do you so. now enjoy uh, Korean trap? Nile Rogers. Nile. Oh, Nile Rogers. Yes. Yeah, so said so Yancy, he contacts uh, Nile Rogers. Mm-hmm. Goes up to his house in uh, Connecticut and gets an interview. Oh wow! He's such a hustler. Yeah, that, a, I respect that. I, I gotta respect that too. Like he bullied his way onto FM radio and interviewed Niles Rogers. Nile Rogers. No, that's crazy. All right, so school semester is back in full swing. I'm standing outside, and I tell you this off the air. I see a father. He probably, you know, middle aged dad around with his your son. age. Uh, foreign language speaking dad and he's checking out every single girl that walks by and the son is so embarrassed and I'm like oh I feel bad for this kid but then I could put myself into the father's shoes you You do it every week no (laughs) okay well you know what speaking of let's keep it let's keep it PG okay right. we're gonna get into this It's it's a very special evening we were able somehow, I don't know how this happened, a, a, a few emails and some harassing, and I managed to get the guest who's sitting in the room. I, I'm going to set this up really fast before he introduces himself. 
Uh, first time I meet him, uh, 98, maybe 99, in the uh, basement of a, uh, a rock venue that uh, held a lot of hip-hop shows. It was called Tramps, uh, this, this being on 21st Street. Uh, we speak about Tramps often. Uh, next door to Tramps was a great restaurant owned by Puffy, named after his son. It was called Justin's. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the greats played Tramps. And here I am, 98. I'm a kid. Uh, my partners, V and I, are happy kids. Uh, we come across this uh, great tape while on a road trip to Boston of a, a rapper, uh, a white rapper. And before we even knew he was white, we just knew that this was like the most amazing music we've ever heard. So fast forward, here we are. We book a show with this guy. We're in the basement, and where it's time where you settle. Settle meaning where you pay the manager. Mm-hmm. And the guy to my right, he said the truest thing that anyone has ever told me in the music business. He looked at me. He took the uh, twenty-seven or twenty-eight hundred dollars, whatever it was, and he could correct me. He said, "This is the last time you are ever going to get this artist for this little." And I was like, oh, "Okay, now I need you to do a mic check, my my friend." Yo, dang, he's booming. Yeah, you just boom through like every car on the FDR. Our, our guest yeah, this evening. Every car on the FDR is tuned into this station. Which right. is one of every eh, 400. 20. No, no, okay. no. You'd be surprised. We open up the phones, man. and, and All right. Th- there are people out there. It's free. It's us. free, right? So that's good. Yes, exactly. It is free. And uh, why don't you introduce yourself? I mean. All right. Uh, my name's Paul Rosenberg. And you are? Uh, I'm Paul Rosenberg. I, I am a artist manager and record label owner. Uh, okay, the and not and, and not just just any. not just any record label, the, not just any artist manager. The the, the the record label being Shady Records. Shady Records. Yep. A, a, a hip hop label that stayed true, and we're going to talk about this in in, in this uh, conversation at some point. Stay true to real rap, what we know. True are, to who we are. Yeah. To, to exactly. Yes. And, and never cave to uh, current trends. Uh, the, uh, set the, we set the trends. We didn't cave to them. Nope. And there's a, a management wing of the company that you yes. own called? Goliath Artists. And Paul represents some some of my favorite newer artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, over the past three or four years, you brought on... Yeah. Danny. Danny, Danny Brown, Action Bronson. Yeah. Who else? Uh, well, those those are the newest sort of additions to the label. We've got some smaller developing stuff as well, but that, that those are the guys that your audience would probably know. Two two of the more exciting young acts. I think so. I, I Darmic, and, and this really comes full circle in a way because the first time me and you ever did radio here at WNYU, the first person you came with and you brought to the station was uh, Dart Parker. Oh, who, yeah. who came in? Yes, Dart. Dart has been here. Yeah, the, the original NW3 guest. I like to say Wait, he was the first guest. He was technically, technically, wow, the first guest. a year makes, before the show started. That makes a lot of sense then. That's, yes, that's dope. It's all, right. all full, all full circle. Yes. Dart's in um, China with Danny. Is he? Yep. What a life. They just they actually probably aren't there yet. They're probably in in the air somewhere right now. Over, uh, gosh, what continent would it be? I don't even know di- what direction they fly. They're probably like over Alaska. I don't know. So 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 Danny goes to uh, China. How how many dates is he playing? Just one. He's doing a, a show for Red Bull. Nice. Red Bull's in China. Yep. Of They're everywhere. They are. I mean China, you know, China being China, it's not that easy to do anything in China. Okay, so Goli- I I am most interested in Goliath management. Okay. I 
We also manage Eminem, right? <laughs> you, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think we forgot that one. Okay. I think I was going to say, actually. That's the guy you were talking about earlier. That is the guy. Do yeah. you remember that conversation? I don't remember the specific conversation, and I certainly don't remember how much money it was, but I'm guessing that because you booked the show kind of early, and it was Marshall's first headline show in New York, that it was probably a really hot ticket, and we probably underplayed it, and that's probably why I said that. Yeah, and, and you know, the, the first sign that, at least to me and, and, and Svi, Svi and I, that Marshall was going to be something big is when MTV showed up on the scene that yeah. night. Yeah, they were there. They were there. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and here all along we've been doing all these underground shows and not one head, underground headliner of, of that size attracted the attention of MTV, yeah. which at the time was way meant more, a lot. Yeah. Yes. Meant a lot. There was no video on the internet. No, there not was, at all. Yeah. And is this well? There was, but you couldn't unless you had like some crazy special connection. You couldn't watch it. So, so is it safe to say a lot of people who were seeing M that night for the first time were actually seeing him in person or seeing um, what he looked like? You know what? I, I I suppose I don't remember whether this was before or after my name is video came out. Hmm. So maybe it was ninety eight January. That's around when it came out. So it was probably right when it was coming out. And yeah. uh, the the opener, Darmic, the opener of that show was MF Doom, which was a great great pairing, and uh, yeah, it's a good amazing. time. Doom without the mask, yeah. a Doom without the mask, without the mask, and also on the bill was uh, DJ Riz and Eclipse and Bobito the Barber. There you go. There you go. Legendary lineup. Yeah, it's good. It was, time. A, it was a legendary show. I mean, it's like you know an artist like Eminem to see his first headline show in New York is pretty special, and that. Obviously, I'm biased, but I, that's one thing that I like to do is when I hear of artists breaking, I, I'll go to their, like their first New York show because I think it's, you, you only get that moment once, and it's, it's, it's usually pretty special for like their first headline show. And, and it's not much of a secret when you show up to the show. I know that, that you have been to... Yeah, I get like... written about, like, and such and such, <laughs> and, and, and Paul Rosenberg was there. Hmm. I it's like, I'm just going to see the show as a fan. Like, I don't always have a business interest for being there. Yeah, I, you I know, think like you I went, were... I went to go see the Ural Drug show. Yeah, I was and, there, yeah. And, like, uh, uh, a gentleman who, who I prefer not to name wrote about it and, and was like, he was there. And I'm like, so what? <laughs> so were you. Like, what? You you were there working, I guess. I was there drinking beer and watching the show. Like yeah. I just like the music, you know. Yeah, and, and and you are a fan. Yeah, of course. That's how I got into this. So I, I was there as a fan. And 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 you know, there's nothing more exciting than seeing an artist play yeah. their early shows because it's cause the first. It's you're never going to see it again. It's the only time you can see that first show, and I think that's really special. And you know, usually the artist has a ways to go, but you, you see where they start, and then it's interesting to look back. And see see it you know from from a later perspective of, of where they were. Yeah, you also were cited at the I think Tyler the Creator show. Yeah, I was or, there too. Uh, Future show. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, one of my really close friends manages them, so I, I came out to support, and and obviously it was there. There was a lot of excitement about them. I went to that show too. So I go to things like that as often as I can. So is it safe to say when you show up to a show that that artist is, is going to go on to do big things? Are, are there shows that I have um, never seen? No, I don't think so. I don't think it's safe to say that at all. I mean, I, I, there's stuff that I don't want to name anybody and call them out, but there's mm. stuff that I've gone to see that, like, you know, you, you might never hear from again, too. But, um, you know, sometimes 
you could make an artist uh, an artist uh, life, you know. And then you know, Eminem's so. manager I, was I don't there. Know. The artist makes their own life, you know. If, I, I guess I can help if 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 it's an appropriate scenario, but I'm not I'm not really always there for that. How important is it for you to scout new talent? Like, are you out um, there scouting? Do you? It's do you... important, you know. Like, I, I it, I'm not out there like I used to be, you know. Like back in those days that you're talking about, like, you know, we can go through that a little bit if you want later, but I. I think that you know one of the reasons that we have people working for us is because they're they're supposed to have their ear to the street and bring me stuff and they're they're our filter you know to to bring stuff in and um, you know I I don't I can't remember the last time that I actually was out at a club and saw something that nobody else knew about like I don't think that happens anymore Not because at all. you because you hear about it online first and you see it online first and you know somebody will post a video and and if it's great it'll spread before they even get a chance to book a show so. You know that's that's tough to do these days, but but back in the day, I guess you could do that, and that's one of the reasons that we used to bring Marshall to New York and in, uh, in in L.A. early on is to for exposure, because that was the only way you could do it. You go play shows, you get in battles, you you know get in front of people. That's how you how you made a name for yourself. For both of you, actually, at what point did you see that that change from being able to find somebody in like a club and be the first one on them to like? having to rely on the internet to be the first place of exposure i i don't know if i could pinpoint it to a date but i would say that youtube probably is is the deciding factor i say the early to mid 2000s yeah i think the uh the the original internet rapper wave the cuddy wale like these were big guys that came out of the internet to do to make a lot of noise yeah you know there at that time there were kids like uh, mickey fax and there were just these really hyped up rappers that were built on the internet but as you know dharmic all the hype on the internet means absolute crap if you can't show and prove yeah well that's one of the problems i think though because you know, you get somebody who's who's talented in the studio, and they maybe make a great video, and they probably never played a, a lot of shows. And if they have, they have been in front of many people. So, you know, literally overnight, you can have somebody that whose video blows up, and then all of a sudden, promoters are booking them for a show uh, in New York, and they're playing in front of 500 people, and it's probably the most people they've ever played in front of. And it's like, okay, we want you to be great. Well, that takes time. You know, and it takes experience, and it's particularly with with performing on stage. Like that's one thing that there's really no substitute for experience. You know, so you got to you got to learn how to do everything. You got to learn your stage presence. You got to learn your set, and like what works and song orders work, and how to project your voice and how to fucking excuse my language, how to how to stand. You know, just all of it. So um, I forget. I'm used I'm used to being on our station on Sirius. So. <laughs> So I'll, I'll try to try to cut that, but you don't own this one, Paul. That's right. So so basically, it's it's like um, it's like you need experience, and you've got to build that up. So when I go to a show, I know that, and and I'm not watching it expecting people to be great. But if I'm a kid who paid twenty bucks, I want to see something incredible, you know. And I might be disappointed because I'm not thinking about the fact that this is this guy's first show in the front of this many people in a big city. Yeah, I, I think the idea, the idea of the school that we come from, an artist, you know, starts out in the uh, basement of some club in, in front of like a hundred people, and then with the uh, direction and guidance of a experienced agent, right? You know, they'll help steer that around the country and, and hopefully build it from there, and then uh, you know, package it with a bigger act and, and so on and so forth. 
I, I don't feel like you see that as much anymore. Dar- Darmic, you you're out often. No, I mean there isn't a lot of there isn't a lot of coaching as as he pointed out. Um, you know, it's a lot of just go out there, keep doing it, keep doing it. And, and some artists they do a lot of these. They're, they're, they'll do any show, so they'll do a lot of these fifty venue, fifty people venues, and twenty five people, and they'll do a hundred shows before they finally start making noise. Yeah. So then they have that experience, and when they go and do their first show in front of a limelight, they have they're they're confident enough performers. But a lot of artists who are just you know this one video, and and they come out of some random city, and they just get on stage, they suck. You know, it's kind of a kind of a crapshoot, and there isn't really much of a much of a training ground, I guess. You, it was also you know back back then it was, it was the first stop for any artist would be college radio and uh when i had reached out to paul and, and begged him to uh you know extended an invitation to come up here paul was like you know m, m was on wnyu probably 98 or 99 yeah on we Eclipse's couldn't figure show. out what it was yep on eclipse's show and you know so college radio has always been a, a place to to start a rap career. I, I you're from the Detroit, Michigan area. Yes, there were coming up for you. How important was college radio? Well, I, where I went to school, I went to Michigan State, and uh, they they have a pretty powerful FM station for the area. It's a big school, so I um, had friends that did the hip hop show there, and they they had uh, I think it's still there. It was called Cultural Vibes. I think it might just be called Vibes now. It's on Saturday nights. So my friends used to um, DJ the show. So I used to go up there all the time. And artists used to come in town, but for us, more, it was more about access to music because, mm-hmm. you know, again, I don't want to sound like the old guy talking about the old days, but it's, it's just the truth. There, was, there wasn't a way to get music other than to physically get it. Mm-hmm. So we had to get records, and we would, you know, have 12 inches, and if a new song came out, we would have the 12 inch, and, you know, that's how we would learn, we would learn about music. So that that was the most important asset for us through through college radio because all of the promo people would send records to um, the DJs who were my friends. So that's how I got a lot of music back then. And for our audience that doesn't know, you were a rapper at back some then. point. Yeah, and in 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 those days, actually, I I went up there um, and we played some of our demos on the air. There was there was um, a, a friend of mine named Lady Cap, um, and she. Her sister was uh, the rapper Boss. Remember mm. Boss on Def Jam? Of course. Yeah, so, Deeper. So, exactly. So, so she had the reins of the show when I first was there, like a freshman and sophomore. We went up there and kicked it with her. And then a couple of my friends uh, later took over um, and they were doing it Tony Tone and uh, DJ Head. Did, did you release any music, 12 Inches and whatnot? No. Did you get that far? We didn't get that far, but we did get signed. We, we, had, a, um, we had a deal with uh, the basketball player, John Sally. Oh, wow. He had a record label uh, when he played for the Pistons in Detroit, and he signed us um, in Slum Village and a few other groups. So we, we used to uh, actually work a lot with, with JD. That's how, what, what I knew him as back then, but you guys know him as Jay Dilla. Um, we used to work work a lot with Dilla because me and, and my partner in my group didn't know how to use an MPC because we didn't have one. So we had ideas for like how to make beats, and we'd show up with a stack of records. It'd be like, "Yo, JD, help us out." So he used to help us program our beats and stuff. What was your rhyme style like? Was it uh, incredible? Yeah. Was it was, <laughs> just awesome? Was it was like, it like, was it a rhyme style of the day? Yeah, yeah what, definitely. What, what year is this? This pa- is paint like, a better picture. This is like ninety ninety one time period going into like 92 
Were were you known for freestyling? I could freestyle. Yeah, we we I could do some of that good stuff. So you here you are. Yeah. At, at what point do you stop rapping? Uh, when I went to law school. You were like, oh, this rap isn't going to pay the bills just yet. Well, basically, someone's trying to get in here. Yeah, it's me. It's okay. Man. All right. My big head. Oh, Hold Jesus. on. Uh, DJ Eclipse is bum-rushing the set. What's up, buddy? <laughs> What's going on? How are you? Uh, Eclipse is uh, greeting Paul Rosenberg, our, our guest. About, about Eclipse and his bad attitude. <laughs> and then so, the, now the lights are off. Go so ahead. So anyway, we, we were... Um, what was your question? I forgot. You, you, your rhyme style. You stop rapping. Oh, yeah. You stop rapping. I stopped rapping when I went to law school. I, listen, I, I wanted to be successful. I didn't have much, and I wanted to not be broke. And I realized that it was going to be really, really difficult to to make it in, as a recording artist and have a career. And, and I realized that my strengths probably lied elsewhere. So... I was doing good in school. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew I didn't want to have a job that was boring and terrible, right? Because that's the one thing that I, I just knew that I needed to work in something that I was passionate about. So I went to law school, and I thought I wanted to be a music lawyer. So that's when I quit rapping, pretty much. And and that and that's where, from from what as legend has it, you yeah. proof, rest in peace, introduces you to Marshall. Right. So so to dial that back a little bit, the the one of the guys that was on the radio, uh, DJ Head was um, a DJ also at a place called the Hip Hop Shop in Detroit. And it was Maurice Malone's store. And the Hip Hop Shop on Saturdays would have battles. And they would like clear the store out, move all the clothing racks, and um, pull out all the merchandise people would have, could have sticky fingers for. And it turned into like a boys club for hip hop. And so Head DJed the battles. And Head introduced me to Proof. And Proof... Believe it or not, at one time was the store manager, which is just absurd to think about um, because because if you know proof, you you would understand. But um, he introduced me to Marshall at some point. At some point, yeah. And then, while I was in law school, then the rest is history. I guess. So so from there, I'm going to fast forward a bit. You come to New York. Yeah, I, as soon as I graduated law school in '96, I moved to New York, and I have a little bit of history with NYU too. What what's the what's the connection there? So. It, it's it's like this in in the summer of 95 between my second and third year of law school i interned um for what was at the time called polygram records mm -hmm. and i also interned for an attorney named fred davis who's uh clive's son mm -hmm. so um and there's another ironic thing the clive davis school right school of music but that didn't exist back then so i needed a place to stay in new york in that summer so I didn't have any money, and the cheapest thing to do was to stay in a dorm. So I stayed yeah. at the dorms at NYU uh, on 13th Street and 3rd Ave. And when I came back uh, to study for the bar, I also didn't have any place to live, so I, I lived in the law dorms, the NYU law dorms just down the street from here for the summer while I was studying for the bar. Now, now, when you come to New York, and now you're shopping Marshall's dorms, deal. By the, way. <laughs> the law ones are better, but the one on 13th and 3rd was gross. Bed bug status? Not yeah. bed bugs, but mad roaches and, and like like moldy showers. Needless to say, you weren't popping off in, that, in that dorm. I mean, you know, you may have to do, but, but it, was, it, was, uh, it was, you know, those were, those were different times. All right, so you, you come here to shop Marshall. Who 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 in New York helps you? Who holds you down? Um, I, I, rumor has it that you lived with Agalaw. 
Well, yeah, so, so that's 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 a, a one way to put it. But it was more like this: when when I was visiting New York, um, I had a uh, you know, and I was I was friends with obviously with Proof and 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 stuff. One time I was here, uh, I went to the studio with those guys, and they were in with uh, Busta, mm. and, and Proof would come along with Dilla sometimes. So um, I was in the studio with Busta, and I met Busta's A and R at the time. It's a guy named Rick Posada. Mm-hmm. And and Rick um, and I became friends. So when I moved back here, uh, I stayed in touch with him. And at some point, he was like, you know, looking for a place to live. And he got this bigger place in Queens. And I ended up sharing the space with him. It, was, it had three bedrooms. So um, I moved in with Rick. And then Rick wanted to manage Adolf. He was called uh, back then. Uh. Right? I, I think he actually probably changed his name around then. So So he came and lived with us for a little bit. Okay, yeah. for maybe a younger I, audience. Darmic, who I, I is got this? this. I got this all twisted. Okay, yeah, because the rumor has always been like you know when, when Paul was shopping for a deal, he was living on Agala's couch. Yeah, well, <laughs> Agala was more like living on our couch, but but it, it it was fine. I mean, it was it was you know it was good times. It was he was in there making beats, and I was trying to sleep because I had to wake up and go to court. It was crazy, hmm. literally. Wake up and go go to court as as like a lawyer. Yeah. Were, were you you were practicing at a at a firm at the time, or yeah, I worked at a firm downtown. Uh, I did I did personal injury defense work for the New York City Housing Authority. Oh wow, yeah, NYCHA. Because I had to you know I had to pay the bills and there wasn't any any rap money at that point. This is eighty nine point one FM WNYU. My name is Peter Oasis. Across from me is the head Indian in charge. He goes by the name of Dharmic X. And to my right, telling an amazing story. Is Paul Rosenberg. Uh, Paul is the manager of a rapper you may know. His name is uh, Marshall Mathers. Um, who else? Uh, Danny Brown. Danny Brown. Action Bronson. Action Bronson. Yeah, there, there's so much I want to get into, and I, yeah, I, yeah, I actually I don't prep for anything, especially not this show. No, I, I usually, can tell. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah listen. You, you look really relaxed, though. So that's good. Yeah, I, I'm cool. You know, it, it's easy. When I'm sitting across from from someone I, I know, like, this is a very uh, a very comfortable situation. Like, DJ Eclipse is there setting up the records, like sure. it's a uh, '95, and we're just chilling. Yeah, right. you know, Darmic, you're the new face, but you you could be any backpack guy who hung out with us in, in the early, in the late '90s. Except I was seven in the late '90s. We're so. transporting you in time. Okay, there we go. Yes, just pretend cool. pretend you're not so young for. <laughs> okay, I got you. I got you. First record you put out with M, are they game records? Or no. Are they raucous records? No. Uh-uh. It's the, the Infinite. No, so Infinite came out with, with in 96. And when I was um, going to the hip-hop shop, and uh, shortly after I'd met Marshall, uh, he, he had been working on the Infinite already. And I bought it from him, actually, for six bucks. Mm. So I bought the cassette. That's... Um, a former music medium for those listening that don't know. So, so I had I had the Infinite cassette and I thought it was it was good. You know, it, it didn't blow me away, but for a local independent thing, it was really good. And so I stayed in touch with him and um, stayed in touch with with them. And when I was out in New York at some point, um, DJ Head again said, "Hey, you gotta check out this new stuff Eminem's doing." And I said, "All right, well." you know send it to me um or have marshall send it to me and uh he did and it was it was a cassette with some like four or five songs on it and it was like the bare bones of what became the slim shady ep 
Mm. So he created that that character, and that was sort of the dividing point for him when he really sort of found his voice and his character and persona uh, as an artist. So I thought it was incredible, and I said, "Hey, you know, I, I really would love to represent you and you know shop your music and, and be your attorney." So he he you know didn't really have a bunch of people knocking his door down at that point, and he was with it. And uh, the first thing that I was involved in that we released was a Slim Shady EP with, you know, Just Don't Give a F. Yeah. And uh, the other stuff on there. That's a great one. Darnik, are you familiar? <laughs> yes. The Slim Shady EP. Yes, the Slim Shady EP, yep. I have to ask, um, was M the first person you decided you wanted to represent? or was As a somebody? lawyer? Y- yeah. Or- no, no, I represented um, some other people at the same time. Yeah. Like was- lo- Detroit guys? Uh, I did what I could for, for artists that were in Detroit, and um, I was working with some of the artists that were, you know, in, in New York at the time as well. I did, like, early stuff for everybody from, like, DJ Enough to, um, at the time her name was, uh, there there was a, a Pony, right? Remember a Pony? Pony B-Fly. Yep. And uh, a, a young lady that was formerly known as What What. <laughs> right? Gene um, Gray. Gene Gray. Yep. And I did work for High and Mighty, um, mm-hmm. and, you know, a bunch of other stuff, but, but, uh, you know, Marshall's obviously Marshall's the first major label deal I did. Mm. Yeah. So, so as you do that deal, do you like say peace out to your to your other clients? Are you like, uh, no, I got to peace out. I didn't. It, nah. it, it, it was like this. When I was doing that deal, I was still working for that small firm downtown. Okay. And um, I actually would just have to leave there, and like my cousin had an office, and I would go to his office to work on it, and like fax stuff. That's a former telephone medium of transmitting media. Darn it, take notes. Yeah. And um, we had a fax machine in our apartment. Okay, calm down. Okay, good, good. Calm down. Paul Rosenberg's talking. Calm so, down. so basically, um, I was moonlighting doing that stuff. And when we finished M's deal, I had enough money to to leave that firm and um, commit to doing entertainment law full time, music law full time. So I teamed up with uh, Theo Settemeyer. And he had a very small firm. It was just him and his partner, Randy Cutler. And we um, really were very niche and, and, and working on um, hip-hop and a lot of underground stuff. And, and um, it was a good fit. So my intention was to continue to be a lawyer. And at some point, Marshall needed a manager. And I was doing so much more than just being a lawyer and I enjoyed that stuff so much more that I said, yeah, like, let's, let's, I'll be your manager, but I'll continue doing law and, and see what happens. But when things started to really move for him, it was just too much. So I, I had to make a decision. Um, and I said, you know what, I can always go back to doing law if I need to, but this seems like a really good opportunity. So I opened up a management company and moved upstairs in the same building um, that, that Theo was in. Wait, was that up. the uh, Lafayette? Yeah, Lafayette, right above Supreme. Right yeah. above Supreme. Yeah, I remember those days. Yeah, good times, Darman. We're still on Lafayette, but we're we're further further down. down yeah. yeah, you're eighty uh, seconds away from the towers. Something like that, depending upon that. how you're moving. Yeah, I always wonder. I you know when I when I ride my bike by your office, I'm like, this is no way eighty seconds from the ta- where the towers once or, stood. Maybe if you were driving and there was no traffic, <laughs> on like a Sunday down Broadway, morning, maybe. possibly, and you caught the lights right. <laughs> Come on, it rhymed. It did. That's why. Come on, it rhymed. And, and and you know, I've been to this office. It's like Fort Knox. This is uh you know, the, the, I remember back in the day, Raucous Records. At one point, yeah, they were uh, uh they were uh, intimidated by uh by uh, some uh, by someone, and uh, 
yeah, at one point they hired these uh, big big ass security guards to sit in the uh, in the lobby over there on Broadway. Yeah, and what a great lobby this is, Darmic. We've spoken about this before. In the building that housed the Rockus office is yeah. original art by yeah, Keith, Keith Herring. Herring. Yeah. yeah, I think it's still there. It's still there. It's but, amazing. It's priceless. Really, it's the whole the whole lobby is is Keith Herring, which makes the building probably worth. Yeah, but what can you do with it? Yeah, you can't move it. <laughs> no. I mean, I guess you could cut the walls out, but it would just it would just defeat the whole purpose. So imagine this really nice building, Keith Herring artwork. It's a really nice Soho building. It's yeah. not like a, you know, fly Midtown office. It's like, you know, Soho. Big, big security guard sitting there to uh, protect the guys up there. And I saw some good stuff in there. I actually saw you in there one day. Zvi and I were in the uh, back room, and you were meeting with Brian and Jared, and... Uh, you know, you were like, you were talking to us, and then at some point, you're like, you know, the, the older guys, uh, you, Brian, and Jared were like, get out the room. And Zvi and I were like, okay. You know, we were in there playing records. Cypher was in there. I wasn't rude like that. Nah, you weren't. Cypher was the A&R, right? He was. Yeah, that's, that's, that's did, great. Did he bring Marshall there? No. No? Uh-uh. We tried We tried to get uh, Marshall signed to Ruckus, and, and we were talking to Black Sean. How, how important it, it there's a lot of similarities between Rockus and Shady. I guess. If, if Rockus was still around and they kept to their original formula. Yeah, I, I, I maybe I think it's a little different. I mean they they were really focused on like this the the New York underground scene and like doing twelve inch records. Right? That's what that that's what their mission was. And they didn't start doing albums until they realized that, you know, oh wait, we can really sell some records. But we always wanted to do to be a you know, an a modern album based company so there's a difference there but i think the aesthetic may have been similar but i i also think they were a little more underground focused you know i guess we call it backpack these days but i think they were more focused on a little a little more than that we've always been the similarity is this we we're we're obviously really focused on lyrics and lyrical ability so i think that that's where the 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 parallels are because underground rap by nature is that yeah, and, and like I mentioned earlier, you guys never, you don't represent rappers that can't rap. I, I think no. a, a current trend now, mm-hmm. we're not fast forward to now, are rappers that cannot rap. Yeah, I guess so. But that's all, they've always been around. I mean, they have. They've always been. There's always I mean, there been was Young MC, but Young MC. Young MC could actually rap. He a made bit. sense. He, he could actually rap, but there was. You know, there was there was always something bad that was popular. It, it, it's fine. It's you know, this taste for everybody. But I think that maybe it's a little more obvious now because because there isn't as much of a um, as much of a barrier to entry like we were talking about earlier with YouTube, whatever. So anybody can just get things out there to you know to every everybody if if they so choose. Yeah, and I, I think the media has such a good time getting behind these guys that can't rap that are absolute buffoons. What do you good time like you mean like they have fun with it? They have fun with it. There there's something, you know, now everything relies on on uh, page clicks. Everything relies on uh, you know, uh, what is it called Dharmica? Uh, page uh, bait. Im- impressions? Yeah, and uh, bait. Clickbait. Clickbait. Exactly. Is what you're talking about. Okay, you gotcha. sound a little angry about it, though. No. Yeah. You know what? The the best thing about the internet is you can listen to whatever you want. Yeah. So I don't have to listen to that channel that plays the rapper who can't rap and you know sounds really bad. You I, should I have heard the episode this... with him and Noah. That was fun. Noah from Complex. Yep. Yeah. 
That was a fun conversation. Okay, let's not go there. Okay, Tom. all right. I'm just saying. But that was a great conversation. Was there an argument? It, there was an argument. I he ended up yelling. Hear. He ended up yelling at me for most of it. He took it took it out on me. But Damn it, it was Darmic. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I did. I did take it out on you. <laughs> you did. Yeah, because you you were like these guys at these record companies are so smart. And that's not what I said. Not what I said. And I'm like, God, not this, what I said. This is not music. Not it's not music. I think the only rapper I like that's out right now is uh, Kendrick, and I, I Kendrick's pretty good. Uh, from what I heard uh, through the uh, the rumor mill, yeah, at some point Kendrick comes through your office. No, not true. Well, he may have. Uh, if if he did, I didn't know. But that's not that's not how I I, I met him or heard about him. Um, a couple of the guys that work for us had had me checking out his material um in, including reef who who used to be our our program director at shade 45 and uh dro who manages bronson with me so they it turned me on to kendrick and i thought he was great um you know we didn't know it was going to be this but uh i uh played him for dre ah. and that's how that's how that happened but dre originally he was looking for um people to you know to to more help with uh writing on on uh on his album that he was making at that time. So he was looking for some more West Coast talent, and I was like, there's a guy that you should probably check out. So, And he stood out. He, well, I mean, he's I think Kendrick. He, he's, 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 the greatest, he's one of the greatest rappers ever. I, I think it's safe when to all, say When all is said and done? I, I think he's well, well he's, on that path. He's incredible. He's truly incredible, and he just keep, he keeps blossoming. But, you know, back then it was really like these those, those early freestyle... Um, Videos, then you could just tell how great of a rapper he was. So you knew right away. You're like this yeah. guy. I knew he was a great. You got rapper. Marshall vibes. You were just like this. this I is just it. knew he was a this great rapper. I, I put it this way. I was confident enough in his ability to, to put it in front of Dre. So, and that's something you don't do often. No, no, no. Like you don't use that. That you're not like, hey, check out this guy. I don't do that often with Marshall. Nah, no, mm. uh, uh-uh. because you only get so many shots for them to like. You know, want to pay attention to it. So if you if you're giving them stuff that's not great, they're they're gonna get tuned out. At, at what point do you bring fifty in front of Dre? How how does that happen? Um, what point did we bring fifty in front of Dre? You just really jumped off. Um, I, I yeah, think they, there's no rhyme or reason to this show. This is college well, up radio. Up to now, there's been sort of like a, at least a path of the conversation. <laughs> okay, but um, you're I, giving him more credit. I think that it, it hey, Marshall Donna, and I. Out talked to Dre together about 50. Yeah. Nice. Was, just was that like the first person you guys brought to Dre? Or Yeah, I think so. It, with it was it, we brought it to him with the intention of signing it together because we knew that Dre would 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 creatively lend a lot to a project like that and we needed somebody like that involved. Yeah, it's so great to hear these stories. Yeah, because we're not just talking about any rappers. We're like talking about the greatest rappers of of our time. You know, we have a lot of people up here work with some amazing artists. We have amazing artists here. M M Kendrick and Fifty, pretty uh, pretty high end, pretty high end talent. And and of course, uh, the guy you you showed the music to, Dr. Dre, an icon. Yeah, well, we, already I, an icon at the time you you knew. We him. just were, we were just were lucky to know him. I mean, we we. You know, we didn't have anything to do with making Dre who Dre is, but right. um, yeah, we were, we were lucky to be able to, you know, work with him and, and 
be in the same room, honestly. And I and I really am not am not being sarcastic when I say that. I I I still believe that. When when you're when you're near Dre, you're like, dang, I'm I'm hanging out with Dre. Once in a while, you know, I I've known him for a long time at this point, and um, you know, since like '98. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's damn near 20 years, but it's still like once in a while. It's like, yeah, Dr. Dre. Yeah, I mean, shoot. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm somebody who you know was was like um, freaking out when they put out the NWA and the Posse 12 inch, like bought it in the store. No idea what it was, but I just saw the cover and I was like, oh my god, these guys look nuts! I gotta get this. So I've been a fan since back then. You like the film? I loved it. It's great. Yeah, so yeah, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, it was it was super super entertaining. Yeah. I went with with a few younger friends to the the to theaters to watch like it. Seven, like twenty, <laughs> okay. like nineteen, twenty. How old are you? Twenty three. Oh, okay, so they're younger because you're twenty three and they're twenty. Exactly. You guys are you're all young to me. They can't drink, so. Hey, you got <laughs> something on them there, don't you? Exactly. Exactly. So so you brought them to it. Did they know? Yeah. So so the interesting thing they said um, was that in, in their opinion, the two thousand one album is better than the Chronic. Hmm. And and I, the reason why I bring that up is because you guys, as particularly M, had a lot of had his hands uh, involved in two thousand one. Like, what was that process like making two thousand one and knowing that you had to to be heavily involved in this sequel to a, to a classic? Yeah, I mean, it was it was it was an amazing opportunity, you know. And and Marshall was, you know, such a big. Uh, you know, he, he was he was a big deal. Not saying he's not now, but 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 at that time, you know, in the, in that community, he was he was you know super super exciting because it was fresh and new. And um, you know, Dre brought him out to work on the record. You know, from the beginning, so it was just the idea that Marshall was going to be on the next Dr. Dre album and and write for Dre on the next Dre album was, you know, it was just incredible. Yeah, and. I mean, there's a lot of pressure involved with that too, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but he was just coming up with great stuff from 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 the beginning. You know, like forgot about Dre was it was an early record in that process. So it was uh, it was awesome. Well, I was wondering. You know, there talk there's talks about a sequel with this sequel to what? To Straight Outta Compton. Really? At least I've heard it somewhere. Oh, I didn't know that. Would would that? Who would play Eminem? I don't know. Who do you think? Um, let's see. It depends on like how how young are we talking. Well, I I know absolutely nothing about this this sequel, but I don't either. Let's say let's say it's like around that time, like like early Eminem, like around two thousand one time. I mean, I don't know. That'd be tough. That'd be tough. It's not like he's he's like Cube who had a son that looks just like him, <laughs> right? That was uncanny. Yeah, he, and he did great. But I I think that um. I don't know. You could always find a kid. I, I would think if they did do that, and I honestly know zero about that idea. I would think that it would have to be somebody like unknown, so that you didn't have some sort of preconceived notion of who they were. You know, yeah. And, and that person would have to be really good, a really good rapper. So one of the things I thought was interesting in Straight Outta Compton was um, there was times where the actors were doing the rapping, right? So they didn't all use all old tracks, mm. and I thought that that they did a really good job. You know, because 
those are like classic records that you know we've heard thousands of times and if you hear somebody else saying them differently and it's not good you just get turned off but like they, like the whole time when easy was recording yeah like and, and but even verse. when like cube son did some of cube's rhymes you know which was i thought he did great at Paul, as, as someone who's been involved with film, you obviously, yeah, you know, I produced uh, three movies: Eight Mile, yeah, uh, Get Rich, yeah, and Southpaw. Correct. No, he did thing. do a little research. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. He's, he's I, humble I've, over there. I've seen those. Yeah. I've seen those. How important is it now for guys like you to document the culture? Um, you know, guys I mean, who are guys in a position like me, to, I mean, to bring these projects to, you know, I think, I think more than it's important for us to document the culture. I think it's more important that if we have the opportunity to document the culture, that we do it justice. I think that's more important than, than me having some sort of responsibility to do something like that. I mean, you know, who, who the hell am I? I, I, I think that, but if I'm given that opportunity, I'm going to do everything I can to, to make sure that it's done right and authentic. And you guys with 8 Mile were early on. You know, that was very early in this whole scheme yeah. of things. Yeah, I mean, the, the idea for for 8 Mile um, was let's do like Eminem's version of Purple Rain, right? So let's let's not... That's a Prince um, movie, that's a, that's oh, a classic God, Prince seriously? Film. So, so in, in Purple Rain, Prince didn't play himself. He played a character called the Kid, who was like him, right? Right. And had similarities to his story, obviously, where he was from, you know, the clubs he played in, the kind of music that he did, how he came up, um, and we used that same model for M because we all thought that it was so early and corny to do a biopic. Like, okay, this guy has what two albums, and we're mm -hmm. gonna do a biopic? Like, it's ridiculous. So. Um, we were like, you know, we can do a story like his, but we're not doing the Eminem story. Like, that would be weird, especially back then. So, yeah, that was that was the the, the goal for for Eight Mile. Yeah, I mean the, the comparisons, the straight out of Compton and uh, Eight Mile comparisons. People are saying, you know, these are the two greatest hip hop films ever made. Hip hop music films, maybe. Right, because there's hip hop films mm. or, or like hip hop the, cultural films. The boys in the hoods. Yeah. I mean, you can't. But but that's a hard thing to say though, because you can't forget about things like Wild Style and things like you know Beat Street. And yeah. although it's super corny, Breaking was a really important movie and Crush Groove. I mean, I don't know. There's been a lot of really seminal pictures, but but I I think that Eight Mile and and, and Straight Outta Compton were definitely two of them if dre wasn't as popular today as he is you know with headphones and his name being everywhere is the nwa story still as valuable you know because there, there are a lot there are a lot say. more people that would see that film because yeah. they know of dre they they know that he they may not know him as the uh you know producer who uh created uh, gin and juice but they they know he is is relevant in the culture and he's able to sell them something yeah i mean maybe younger people but yeah. I think that, you know, people, quote unquote, of a certain age know who the hell Dr. Dre is and know how important Dre is. I mean, you know, the, everybody knows that he was involved in Eminem and Snoop and 50 Cent and Tupac. And, you know, they know that. So that that wouldn't have changed. But I think that maybe the younger audience had a connection with Dre through the headphones. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Definitely is there a film you want to see be made? I, I you know, last uh, last week our guest mentioned the uh, the Beastie Boys film. Would I be think that would the be next great. obvious big I, film. I think Run DMC would be a great story, right? Of course. Um, you know, but you know, Crush Groove 
is as primitive of a hip hop film as it was, and I don't mean that in a negative way. It was just early, right? Because I like watched every second of it like it was reading the Bible, but it was sort of the Def Jam story, mm. you know, in, in in a similar sort of way. But then I, they went really, especially the early part, like having the label in the dorm and everything. But then they really went askew from that. But I think like even a Def Jam movie would be incredible. Now, do do you know Paul? The dorm that's above us right here is the dorm. I didn't know it was this one, but it's I knew it was one. in the area. This is it. Yeah, this is holy ground. This is, uh, what's ground. the name of the dorm here? Uh, this is Weinstein. This is Weinstein. Weinstein. And what, do you know the number of Rick's dorm? I forget right now. They they showed it, because he did a documentary where he went to the room. Yeah, there was like a short piece on it. Yeah, yeah. I, I know I know which side of the building it's on, actually, because I, I lived here freshman year, so I... You I'm, go, like, and take some of that air, just <laughs> get in a yoga pose and... Just really, just meditate and zen out. Yeah, get get really into yourself and connect with it. Yeah, back to film. <laughs> back to film. No, because this is something that I I had on my mind. There's a, a documentary, a DJ AM documentary. Mm. Uh-huh. You've you've worked with AM. Yeah. And uh, did, did, is that something that would would make a, a major motion picture? Would that would that make sense somewhere? I haven't seen the documentary. Okay. Um. So I'm not sure, but but his story is is certainly has the, has the goods to to be a um there's enough material there to make a great story was he a, a good friend yeah he was a he was a client and friend yeah yeah i i i i've met him on a few occasions and my 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 story um the night your story is not worthy of a film yet. no 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 oh, okay. no his story was not a. yet oh oh not i said yet. yet i said yet not yet <laughs> mine isn't either by the way so go ahead I did, the, the night that A.M. passed, I went to um, the building where he had passed away. Yeah. And uh, just a couple nights before, I was watching a documentary that was, I believe, set in Thailand. And it was a documentary about uh, an ambulance company that would go to pick up people who had passed who didn't have any family. And what they would do is they would say prayers and they would give people a proper send-off. The night that A.M., passed and, and they had taken the body out of the building this is getting really morbid peter no i just want i just want to right. say this because i've always wanted to see there were a bunch of paparazzi people who probably never knew the guy yeah they're in front of this building and then i had gone there and i and I, I just prayed as i watched the body go by not not ever knowing him but knowing that he was such a big part of our 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 world mm-hmm. a, a legend a, a true legend yeah, you, who set so many trends? You know what? One of the first big, big DJs. You know, it, it's commonplace now for for a DJ to go out to Vegas and uh, snatch up a a, a contract. The, he, this is very early. Yeah. In, in 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 that trend. Yeah, he was he was very early. He was he was a pioneer in many ways, and you know he really sort of pioneered and and was a big part of of breaking the whole open format DJ um, style, right? So open format means just like there's there's no barriers in 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 the genre and he would he would mash up which became the popular term mm-hmm. all different kinds of music together you know like you know guns and roses with run dmc whatever the case might be in a in a very incredible fashion and he he was like he created a lot of those mixes that djs still play today what well, is he one of the greatest talents you've ever worked with absolutely he, he's he's definitely yes absolutely no question about it and because of those things because of you know his 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 originality and and so really sort of being groundbreaking in in open format um, DJing and and mashups and also 
you know the the whole the whole rise of the DJ as a as a rock star. He was he was at the forefront of that, and and really I think a lot of these DJs owe a lot to him um, for for where they are because he broke those doors down for them. Fair enough. You know, sorry, Don. I had to get that off. I, I've been thinking about it all day. No, it's important. Yeah, he's he's you know. Paul, I, I called I, I everybody often... I knew to get. To, they were all like, "What would you ask Paul?" I have called about twenty people, and he, uh, did, he did research. Oh yeah. I had to, you know, because you're one of the most interesting guests that we have ever had oh, in this God. tiny studio <laughs> down here on the NYU campus. Yeah, it's all it is pretty small. You can almost touch the walls from side to side. But you know, it it was it was really um, a tragedy to lose him. And I think that um, you know, I, I often think and talk about you know with with his friends that that I still remain close with. We talk about like what what would AM be doing now? Like what would the world like be now if if AM was was still here? And I think that a, he would he would just be ten times I think as as popular and successful and and trailblazing as he was because it's just the whole culture that he that he helped create was has just evolved so far. Um, so you know it's fun it's fun to think about that. Speaking fun, fun because. You know, we we smile about what what he would be doing, but not fun because he's not here. Right. Speaking of, of legacy acts that recently passed away, I know you wanted to bring this up. Um, Sean Price yeah. obviously just just passed, and uh, this is get, this is going to be a whole downer show. No, no, no. Right. What, what, this what is I, sad stuff. Obviously, rest yeah. in peace. Yo, but this, this is this is real life, <laughs> Paul Rosenberg. But I wanted to bring it up because I know you guys at Shady um, yeah. contributed to the, the the memorial fund, which which I thought was very important. That you know the hip hop as a community supports its own and and recognizes the legacy you know obviously not everybody knew the contributions that sean price left in this game obviously we did but yeah. you know it's how um I, I found that very important that you you guys were were uh contributed that way i mean you know it, it for us we were us in the office like I'm, when i say us i don't mean the talent i mean the people that work in the office are huge sean price fans and you know we used to throw this barbecue um and we still do actually at, at uh, summer jam at, with the Shady Records barbecue in the parking lot, and we every year we could count on Sean to be there, and and he would, you know, we we were so excited that he was there because we were all such fans of his, you know, and and what he did musically, and I got to know him a little bit through that. I didn't know him very well, I saw him here and there, but um, you know, I'm I'm friends with with Drew Ha, and um, you know, I've known those guys since since way back in the day, and you know, I think it's the right thing to do if you have the means to do it, you know, why not? You should respect. I've never said respect in my life. Respect, <laughs> re re respect. Do, do, do you mind if we open the phones? Because I'm sure there's somebody it's a little out there. Scary, but yeah, I guess so. The the if got okay. You know where to call. The number is two one two nine nine eight one eight one eight. Yo, if you're just tuning in, NW3 Radio with the great Darmic X. My name is Peter Oasis. Paul Rosenberg of uh, Goliath Management, Shady Records, and a pretty big guy in that uh, movie game is, is here, and he's chilling with us. This is probably the, the best moment of my uh, short-lived radio career. Wow. I can't call it a career. They don't pay me to be here. But True. my experience. You know, P Paul, you know, you when... I know as I get older, there are things I just want to do. Like, this is something I would have wanted to do in 98. Except there'd be probably be someone rapping here and whatnot. But 
this is what I'd want to do. And I, I luckily I got to meet Darmic and live this experience. We're all lucky to meet Darmic. <laughs> look at that, look at. I appreciate that both of you guys. I mean, I'm I'm beyond honored to have met both of you. You know, uh, unexpectedly as it as it was. This is getting strange. This is getting strange. <laughs> the one thing Peter mentioned all the things that you're you're involved in. One of the things you're involved in, of course, is Shave Forty Five yeah. and uh, radio. And you know, now that you have these companies like Beats and um, what was the other one that's getting involved in like the stream oh well we have a caller so i'll hold off to that thought you'll hold that thought somebody on the west side yeah you're on the air oh my gosh really yes you are anything you could tell us about eminem that won't get you fired though uh (laughs) i can't i can't get fired i'm tenured at this point by the way but um what can i tell you about eminem Jeez, i don't can you like narrow it down to like some sort of topic His favorite song of his. His favorite. He song. never tells that. Um, I don't know who's what his favorite song is, but it. I would say there's. I don't know. He really is a huge LL Cool J fan. He's a really huge Beastie Boys fan. He's a huge Naughty by Nature fan. Uh, you know, Master Ace. And I don't know. He raps. He raps the lyrics to 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 Music Man a lot. So let's say Music Man. That Master Ace. All right, you hey, got it. Thank you. Is that Redman one of those influencers? Absolutely, yeah. Huge, huge, huge Redman fan, yeah. Forget about that guy. What about you when you're rapping? Who, who's your influence? Cool Mo D? Jeez, no. <laughs> is, it that, is it that long ago? <laughs> it was, I, I'd say it was everybody that was out at that time and, you know, even like... Pooba? Yeah, I mean, that stuff too, Pooba and, you know, G-Rap and, and Ace and, and, and De La Soul and Tribe Called Quest and, um, you know, all that stuff. I, I actually was a huge X-Clan fan as well. Mm. Oh, yeah. Huge. Love those guys. Crazy. Amazing, amazing, amazing act. Whew, darn it. This is, you know, Paul, I'm going to tell you, this is the first time we've ever gone straight through without playing a second set of music. You got any more Boulevard Mossy records to play? I, you know, I, I wish I did. I don't think there are many more. That, that was the first record you played, <laughs> yeah. I'm assuming, right? Yeah, yeah. That, what a great one. That was a great one, yeah, yeah. That, I don't think they only had one 12-inch. Right? A- any excuse to play, uh, you know, that kind of music a on, Tony on D the radio, production. rest in peace, right? Yep. Uh, so, okay, wait, we can't go back. We, I feel no, it. Can't go that, back. All right, can we meditate like we usually do? Oh, um, I reset. Darek, is anyone else on the phone? Not, not at the moment. Yeah, but but uh, if the you two do... people that are on the West Side Highway didn't, didn't have their phones charged. Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> so you were you. asking about Shave Forty Five? Yeah, I mean, yeah. where do you see your place in the ecosystem now that you have places like Beats, which are doing like curated playlists and streaming? Well, they have a radio of... station. Right. Beats Beats One. Beats One, right? Yeah. yeah. Where do we see our place? I mean, I, I satellite radio still has a huge reach. They have, you know, 20, I think like 25 million subscribers, which is just massive. And um, so, you know, we, we started the station because we were given the opportunity. It's as simple as that. I mean, a- anybody who would come to somebody who's a lover of music and say, hey, how about your own radio station? Um, you, you know, you jump at the chance. So that's why we did it. And... Um, you know, it's been for 11 years now, and you know they've been a great partner, and uh, we've done a lot of incredible stuff up there. And I think that their their reach is still very, very prominent and powerful. Yeah, I think one of the coolest things about Shape 45, what you guys did, and it ties back to the whole 
and college radio experience is uh, is the morning show, of course, bringing in Sway to yeah. do Sway in the morning. You know, I we all knew Sway from from the show in, in the Bay Area, and, yeah. and you know, being a college radio like pioneer, somebody I I look up to, and, and knowing that he had this this morning show that he would do on 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 J forty five was was awesome when I when I found that out. Yeah, so you know, I think one of the things that you know, I'm going to sound salty right now, but I don't care. <laughs> one of the things I think we don't get credit for is I think we discovered. Um, and broke a lot of on-air talent from our radio station. And, you know, a lot of the people, uh, you know, hadn't really even really been on the air before. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we started um, with Cypher uh, in doing the morning show, and Cypher was just sort of a radio sidekick at that point, right? So mm-hmm. we gave him the opportunity to have, you know, have a whole show. And um, then we brought on Angela Yee, mm-hmm. uh, who had never done radio before, and it was just a friend of ours, and, um, you know, who um, was very, you know, she's very... Um, funny and verbose, and we thought that it would be a good a good place for her to be. So we put her, um, gave her that opportunity too. And I'm not saying I'm salty that they aren't there anymore because you know people come and they go and they do stuff for a while and they do something else. But um, the cool thing about bringing Sway on was he was obviously an established talent. He had actually done morning shows before. He actually was was on Hot 97 at mm. one point here in New York. Um, and we thought that given our, our history with him and the relationship, that um, it would be a really good fit. And, you know, Marshall used to go up to um, the Wake Up Show when mm-hmm. it was in L.A. Mm-hmm. And, and freestyle with, with Sway and Tech. And, you know, we just always had a really good rapport and relationship with him. So for us, it was like bringing that relationship full circle and giving him the opportunity that he had once given us. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is a great time for radio, whether it be uh, podcasters, you know, whether it be satellite radio, whether it be, you know, uh, apps like the uh, Dash Radio app, which is a DJ Ski's thing. Mm-hmm. There's so many places to get great music. And yeah, and and did you say podcast too? I mean, yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's all it's all it's all happening, man. What what do you listen to? Do you listen to a sports podcast? Uh, no, I nah. don't. Re- sports sports radio annoys me. Mm. Because what I don't like is when people speculate too much. I think it's just a waste of time. Like, how 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 much do we? This is the worst time of the year to me. Not not now, but the worst time of the year to me is right before the NFL mm. draft, mm. right? And right. they start doing mock drafts. Like it's like Dungeons and Dragons. Like it's it, it's all meaningless like yeah. there's no there's no reality to any of the stuff that they're saying and they always get it wrong and they spend hours of national air broadcast time talking about what order people are going to go in in the draft and it's like shut up like it's it's going to happen and that's going to be what it is like we can talk about it a little bit but do we need to literally have some jackass standing at a board saying, okay, well, here's my mock draft, and this is the analysis. Like, you don't know what they're thinking. And nothing changes week by week, yet the draft order changes the based only on thing some that, sort of yeah, analysis. Well, the only thing that happens is, like, someone's involved in a scandal or if they <laughs> mess up at the combine or something like that. But other than that, like, the teams have a good idea of what they what they need and what they're going to go for. And it's just, it's kind of silly. But anyway, I don't listen to sports podcasts, and I, I listen to little sports radio, you know, um... I do listen to some podcasts, um, you know, like I, I obviously like everybody else. I listen to the, um, what was that? The, what was Serial? Yeah. Uh, yep. and, and, and I mean, it was great. Everybody listened to it. Um, and I listen, I like Michael Rappaport's podcast. I think okay. that's good. I've been checking out uh, Elliot's Rap Radar podcast. 
Um, I listen to Joe Rogan sometimes. Nice. Uh, a few other things, but. Have you ever heard of a show? Uh, it's called the Halftime Show. Eclipse. <laughs> I come have. Here. I have. Uh, here's my Eclipse story. Eclipse, okay. cut, please. The mic so, is yours, Eclipse. Darmic, please. Yes, yes, yes. I, I, so okay, back in the name. day, there was there was a little record store called Fat Beats, <laughs> right? And and Fat Beats was like the epicenter, ground zero for for underground hip hop in New York for many many years. Is that accurate? Yes, it is. Yeah. So we when we were putting out Marshall's music, um, and we had the the twelve inch for uh, just don't give a f. And it was before or during when, when right before the EP came out, we would, you know, put records on consignment and we would have to bring records, you know, physically to record stores and like play them for people and let people hear them. And I went up there once um, and Eclipse and, and Max Glazer were there and I was um, trying to get them to listen to the record. And it was like you, you, you would think I was trying to like sell an Eskimo ice. They were like, uh huh. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, whatever. And and <laughs> then they finally got them to play the record in the store and they had such poker faces. <laughs> but I could tell that they liked it, but they didn't want to act like they liked it and they're like, "All right, well, you know, maybe if you come next week and bring like 20 records, maybe we'll sell them." And I'm like, "Okay, cool." So that's, that's that's that, my, that's my Paul's cool side of the story. You know, I'm going to go with his side of the story because I don't 100 percent remember. I remember him coming in with the record. I just don't remember the exact way it proceeded. But just to, to build on that, I mean, you got to understand there was people coming in every single day, wanting us to listen to records, and so, a lot of it was probably garbage. Yes, so. Whether we like something or not, the process was you leave your record, you leave your name, you leave your number, and then like whatever whatever it was once a week or twice a week or whatever it was, I would, I would sit and listen to all the stuff people dropped off, right. and I'd make little notes in a notebook for my staff in case I wasn't there, being like, okay, accept this, decline this, accept this, blah, blah, blah. We can't just stop what we're doing as soon as someone comes in and listens to everything they're going to take us, uh, take you know, bring in. So, um so that, that's that. But I will say, Q Unique actually always brings up that story and, and actually says that I didn't want to take it in. He tells me that I, I didn't want to take it in. And Q, and Q says that he pushed me to take it in. Eclipse, which I, I, believe I, I believe that. I believe this. <laughs> I believe that. Yeah. But look, but here's the thing. <laughs> you guys were the gatekeepers, man. There was, that was, for sure, for sure. Yeah. And I still to this day believe in that. I believe that I don't believe in, in free reign. I'm sorry. I, don't, I, I think that there needs to be people that need to kind of weed through some yeah. of the stuff to show you what's what's better from what's not because yeah. it's, it's just it's, it's too overwhelming there's too much stuff out there it's too much and like that's the difference between Fat Beats and Beat Street you know you go to Beat Street it was three times the size of Fat Beats and they carried everything they had no you know no they didn't say no to anyone they were like they put it on the wall and it was up to you to decide whether it was good or not right. we tried to filter out all the bad stuff and just put the good stuff up there so more when you curated, came in yeah curated, it was like yeah. you knew that you were going to buy something good whether it was your style or not it was still good music and back then it was a little bit everything was kind of good but the Eminem record I definitely did like and it's funny because uh, I was just listening to the first show of the halftime show from March 98 and so it was 98 yeah. right, we weren't sure it, if it was 98 it was 98 yeah, yeah okay. and, and uh, just the two of us I played on that episode the first show so you there know you go. there you go yeah good times <laughs> Good time. Yeah, yeah, Eclipse, a lot of what you just described, you know, the... Um, yeah, we were talking about that earlier. The two record shops basically right. represent what's going on today. You know, there's there's a model where, you know, people want to think that the more music you put out, people will, will find the gem. And right. then there's the 
curated. I hate that word. Darling. <laughs> you know, there's the more curated music. You know, where people like yourself or, or Dharmic, you know, who's very active in, in the online community, says this is what's going to be hot. It's nothing different than than them having a channel or a label. You know, what I'm saying it's like it's it's to me this is this station, this show is my label, and everything you know, the store is my label, and everything that I put in there, everything that I play through here is what I feel you need to hear, and so that's just this, you know the philosophy. You know, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, ultimately, it's your name on the line. Like, anytime right. you're doing anything with it, with the music, it's it, your name attached to it. It was done with a little bit of attitude, <laughs> though. Overall, at the store, yes. I, no question. I, but I can't say, for, I, I don't recall having attitude. I would like to, people to step up and, and please say if I had attitude, because I was always one of the nicer gentlemen in the establishment. You know what it was? It was an overall vibe that, like, you know, y- you, you guys knew what was good and I think a lot of people going in there trying to get you guys to to pay attention to what they were doing right it was like oh okay well these guys you know they don't care about what I have to say you gotta earn you gotta earn it yeah yeah you gotta earn it you gotta earn it and I I think I may have gone more than once before I got you guys to actually you know listen to the record but um, it was worthwhile and then we did that fun in store there yeah I have have a a minute and 15 second video clip of that in-store. Do you really? Yeah. Oh, you haven't put that up? No, that's crazy. So so it was Em and and Royce did an in-store at Fat Beats Uh in in 99, probably? Yeah, Yeah, I mean, it was like, I think it was like the Source van was like out front, and all they kept playing was, my name is, over and over and over and over and over again. And uh, I guess the, uh, the album was... Uh, was it the album release or was I think it, so I, you know but but that's all I kept remember hearing that and then the video I have is just like the front of the store because the Eminem and Gangstar are two biggest in stores we ever had at Fat Beats and just seeing the uh, you know the showed, line was insane the line going down 6th yeah. Avenue around the corner and then I and then the camera pans into the store and you see Eminem and Paul sitting at the table signing autographs and Royce is standing behind them I wasn't signing autographs well he was overseeing making yeah. sure that M was signing his name right that's right <laughs> yeah now spelling Paul, it right can I and one day can I see that video sure of course All right, great. of course right. uh, and now Paul if he matter of clip- fact you know I might have it with me right now ah uh, stuff <laughs> yeah now if if Eclipse puts that up what what guarantee is that that the uh, Copyright guards don't uh, pull it down right away. I mean, who's co- it's his copyright. He owns the video. Okay, as long as there's no music in it. Yeah, but but anyway, just just to to talk about the in store real quick because this is funny. So we I think it scheduled it for two hours, and I think we showed up late because we were doing stuff before Rappers. that. Yeah, and and we got there still signed for two hours. There was still a huge line, and I think he signed for another hour, maybe two, and we'd done three or four hours. And we still had to shut the line down because it was yeah. just, he would have been there all night. No, like I said, and it's Fat Beats history. Definitely, you know, that in-store and Gangstar in-store um, also. The Gangstar closed us out. Uh, Eminem, I think, was a little bit earlier in the day. Um, but those are two biggest in-stores we had in history. Great times. And, um, I mean, it was, it was, aside from maybe the first initial meeting at the store, uh, <laughs> it was definitely dope just seeing, and I, I say it's for anyone, it's dope seeing someone's come up. You know what I'm saying? Seeing someone who you do end up liking and seeing them grow and seeing people start talking about them. And it was organic that everyone started talking about Eminem, the Rap Olympics. Everyone came back from the West Coast and was like, yo, this kid Eminem, this kid Eminem, this kid Eminem. And then it just took over New York and everyone was just like, yo, you know, and then like, we, that was it. Yeah, it was it was crazy. Mm-hmm. And and I, by the way, I recall that story fondly. I'm not salty about it. Yeah. 
So <laughs> of just, course, just want to sure, that sure. I do remember another story of uh, of you at the cooler. Shout oh yeah, out to the cooler. And this was right around the time when the album was was dropping. This was before the album came out, and there was we. I had a copy. Copies were floating around, and I had already cleaned up a copy to play on this show. And so I'm playing some of the songs, and as soon as I walk in the club. Paul turns around to me. He's sitting at the bar. He's like, Eclipse, you got to stop playing joints off the album. And I'm like, well, it, it, it's dope. I was like, I want to play stuff off the album. So it wasn't out yet. It wasn't out yet. Yeah. And stuff like when it leaked then, it was like tough to get it. Like yeah. it wasn't like right. you push a button and everybody exactly, can get it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You still had to kind of be in the, in the know. I was probably it. freaked out. Yeah. Like, but uh, everybody has the album Great times. Yes, sir. <laughs> Yeah, you had Eclipse shaking in his uh, Nikes back then. Yeah, I doubt it. So, <laughs> so we also just just to point out, like the whole relationship with the DJ back then, how important it was, right? And and I used to have to literally walk records around the city to hand them to DJs because there, you know, there was email, but you couldn't send. There was no MP3s, right? right? So, so you would have to show up at a club or show up where the DJ was get their attention and give them the records and that's how i'm at stretch that's how i met tony touch um that's how i met a bunch of guys and and i would just be persistent and keep showing up and like you know you gotta you gotta check this out you gotta listen to this and you know it pays off but you know people don't have to do that there's a different it's a different way of persistence now but i i would say it's easier it doesn't require as much work you don't have to right. literally walk the pavement and you know stand in line at rebar to give a record to stretch no, physically, it's a lot less work. But at the same time, there's just so many freaking artists now that, like, to separate yourself as an artist out of millions of terrible artists is it's difficult. Is difficult. Yeah, you yeah, gotta, but, you gotta but be great. You're talking about Paul. You're talking about lifelong or career-long relationships that were made while you're on the grind. That's true. Like you know, people now they consider someone their friend because they, you know you follow them and <laughs> yeah. made a blog post. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's it, you know, way different. It's way it. different. I yeah, agree. no, and and like you know, the, like the 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 story with Sway it comes full circle. Like you know, Tony touches on our show now, and like mm -hmm. you know, he's a guy who used to or on our station. He's a guy who used to, you know, be at the clubs, you know, hot hip hop clubs playing records that I would, you know, just be doing whatever I could to get his attention. You know, so. You know, same thing with, with, with Enough. Like, you know, guys like that, like you said, you know, we, we, we're still, we still have relationships with. And on that note, I would like to thank Paul Rosenberg. Well, thank you for having This me. has been, Darmic, can, can we agree that this is one of the best shows as we had anticipated? I think so. I, I, I agree. Yeah, I think so, too. I was very excited, you know, the whole the whole time leading up to this, you know, it's an honor to, to have you here. and, and You weren't just... sure if I was going to actually show, though, right? Oh, 100% I was not. I, we didn't announce it until you tweeted it because I, I didn't see it coming. Yeah, I, I don't know. know. Pa Paul's grilling me like, yo, 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 yo. I'm, I'm like, like I'm on, a man, lot like my up. clients, and particularly Eminem in this sense. It's really hard to get me to commit to do something. But when I commit to do it, I do it. And it's an honor. If you're just tuning in and you missed this great conversation, which you've There's been listening. There's a Mayhem Loren sticker over there. There, there is. Shouts to Mayhem. There is. He was the, he was the first the man. guest, I first guest I had when I started FM. Yeah. Shouts to Action Bronson. Yes, always. A great rapper. Uh, Big Body Bess. Yes, sir. Now just a, had a birthday. Uh, Happy birthday to Bess. And I also was just out at Did the Did you see uh, his red carpet thing? Yeah. The VMAs, yep. Amazing. So good. Whoever up at Complex had that idea to put a. They've been a body. fan of his for a long time. They're just looking for the right way to, like, you know, make the world 
fall in love with Bess. Hopefully, we'll see more of that. I that hope was so pretty too. Cool. It, it was so good. He's so funny. Yeah, there's always room for goons. <laughs> goons make great television. He's so good, and he's funny, and and it, it's it's genuine. Yep, which is amazing. Hundred percent. All right. So if you just tuned in late, you heard the tail end of a, it. Was a great conversation with uh, Paul Rosenberg, yes. the uh, music entrepreneur, the. Uh, Owner, the uh, head of the uh, Goliath uh, Talent Age uh, Talent Management Company, mm-hmm. uh, record company you may have heard of called Shady Records, uh, that's put out some of the great rap records. Uh, you're gonna go back and listen to it on SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, our SoundCloud's NW3 Radio. We're gonna make sure we I get might that put up it on tomorrow. my SoundCloud. Whoa, whoa! Mm-hmm. How many followers you got over there? <laughs> I don't think many because I don't post that much, but um, I'm, I'm gonna put it up there. Darmic, how has this been for you? I mean, I, I told this to Peter. Obviously, I grew up in the in the time that you know you were on skits with on M's albums, and, yeah. and M, you know, was the dominant rapper of our generation easily. Um, and so, I think it's for me, it's kind of a surreal moment. You know, it's kind of a it's, it's pretty 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 cool. I awesome. have to say. In the, in the building that Rick Rubin started. In the Jeff. building, yeah, yeah. yes. In the building that Rick Rubin started. Which is even, even bigger, bigger coincidence. 100%. 100%. Darmic, where's our outro? Where's the outro? You, it, you're the one with the computer, bro. Boy. Eclipse <laughs> has to go get on the air and, and actually DJ now. Eclipse, who, who do you have up here tonight? He's got real turntables, by the way. Uh, well, tonight down. we have your old Droog. Oh, oh, we, just wow. talking we about were Drew. talking about it. And him. we have uh, the Legion from the Bronx. Is, the, is that the old Drew that was... Uh, Not to Paul, be confused with young Drew. <laughs> that, that Paul was scouting down at the uh, Webster Hall. We were talking club. about that. Like I, I love going to shows, like early shows of rappers, like their first headline New York shows. Right. And I was there and like, you know, people make more of it than just me coming to check a show out. Like I can't just go be a fan. Of course. Yeah. Of course. It's, it's news. It's headline news next day. Eclipse, yeah. you don't go out. I, I, I could imagine not, not as much, but I go out. Still. I see him once in a while. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, it's kind of the same thing. It's just like, I mean, there's so many acts I've seen, and so now it's like, if you want to pull me out at 45 years old, then yeah. it has to be. I got kids, man. I, I have kids. I have kid and kid on the way, and then it's just oh, like, oh, thank you. And so it's like, you know, it's a matter of, uh, yeah, what what is it about this show that's going to pull me out of the house? Well, and for me, it's like, what 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 is it that's going to stop me from from going home and spending the, you know hour that I get with my kids at night putting him to bed like what's what's what hip-hop be shows are you that? going to because once I'm going to my kids are already asleep by then. <laughs> no but I but I don't live in the city so once I'm out like, yeah, I I, to you. come back I in it's you. just it's not that likely right right and on that note Paul thank you thank you thank you you must learn 